Welcome back to the For Where You Are podcast brought to you by Chapel Street Church. My name is Joe Scavato, and today we are back, sort of, in the gospel in Genesis. Today I'm joined by Jeff Frazier. Hi, Jeff. Hello, Joe. And Brian Coffey. Hi, Brian. Hi, Joe. Good to be back. It's good to see you guys. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. It, uh, we had a lot to talk about today. We had a Indeed. great weekend, Indeed and we there's do. a lot to break down. None of yes. us were preaching, however. That's right. And so that's why I said we're kind of back in the gospel mm-hmm. of Genesis. Yeah. And so, Jeff, why don't you remind us of what we just heard about this past weekend? Okay. Um, this weekend uh, was a bit of a pause in our series called The Gospel in Genesis, as you mentioned. And uh, the weekend was titled Good Design, which does have links to God's good design for uh, human uh, sexuality and marriage in Genesis. We had a guest speaker. Her name is Rachel Gilson. Rachel works for Crew in theological development and culture. She's uh, got a master's of theology from Gordon Conwell Seminary. She uh, was an undergrad at, student at Yale. She told her story, which uh, is how she grew up in a, with no Christian or, or really religious bring, upbringing at all. Um, went to Yale uh, as an undergrad student and through a, really a kind of an interesting path including a stolen copy of Mere Christianity, mm-hmm. uh, God reached down and, and redeemed her, saved her, uh, and and how she began to grow as a Christian, uh, all the while being same-sex attracted and wrestling with that, trying to reconcile that with her new faith, coming to the realization that God, in, because of his good design, does not bless same-sex union. And, uh, and she talked about God's vision and plan uh, for, for marriage. And one of the profound things she said was you can't separate God's teaching on sexuality from his vision for what marriage is. Those, th- those two things are inextricably linked. And we've said this many times before as well. And there's these four primary goods for marriage. Good Because marriage pictures God's, God's covenant relationship with his people. The good of faithfulness for over a lifetime, she talked about. The good of, of fruitfulness or building a family, uh, the good of pleasure, uh, sexuality in marriage, but where it belongs, and the last one, the good of like a, of two two indistinct two distinct individuals coming together, um, non interchangeable parts. So we're not God, and God is not us, and yet God loves us and, and unites to us through Christ. A man and a woman, a gendered pair, are uh, both made in the image of God, but they're distinct, and they come together in a union that that pictures that. So she said, you need all four. Uh, to picture God's uh, good design for marriage, which I thought was really well done. And um, she walked us through that. Many other things she said, including the line that I think Brian and I both were struck by and will probably use on Easter. You, we, we gotta, she, she said, I'm, I bet my life on the resurrection. I thought that's what, every Christ, that's what every Christian does, regardless of sexual identity, gender identity. Everyone who comes to know Jesus eventually says, I'm betting my life on that. Yeah. So I thought... Her message was extremely compelling, uh, funny, witty, wise, clear, bold. And so if you didn't have a chance to listen to it, it's worth going back and listening to even again. Yeah. Anything I missed there, Brian? Uh, no, I would say if people who haven't heard it should go and listen. And, and I would also encourage people that it's probably a story like you haven't heard before yeah. mm-hmm. in church, especially in the sermon slot. But um, because, it, because there are parts of it that will, that will, will probably uh, make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. But if you listen through the discomfort to the beauty of what she's talking about, yes. to the beauty of Christ, the power of Christ that comes before everything else, even her yes. sexual attraction, and eventually redeemed all that. And she's been married for 15 years and has a daughter. You yes. know, it's, a, it's a beautiful story. She didn't tell all of it, but um, listen through the discomfort to what she's actually saying about the power and grace of Christ to transform. Yeah. 
I agree. That's a great. That's a great way to say it. Listen through the pain and the discomfort to yeah. the power of Christ. I would like to to add as well that even when Jeff isn't preaching, C.S. Lewis gets a shout. Yeah, out, I know. So. I yeah. thought, how cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although. She said in the, in the between services in the back room with me to me that she's since come to think that mere Christianity is not the greatest argument for the and I was like what I almost, did, almost <laughs> said she can't preach anything. and we're still talking about it? Yeah. <laughs> that was great um, so I want to kind of break down a, a little bit more of, of the things she talked about mm-hmm. um, before we do maybe let's pause and, and yeah. talk about some of the purpose of not just Rachel coming to speak to us but. For those that maybe weren't able to come, we had a whole series of speakers yes, yesterday afternoon mm-hmm. uh, that talked about issues of marriage and, and sexuality and gender. And yeah. and so maybe it would be helpful uh, to talk about why. Why why did we do that? What was the yeah. purpose? And, and what are you hoping our church takes away from this weekend, whether they heard just Rachel or, or came to the event as well? Uh, good question, um, and you alluded to this. We, uh, the good design was not just the title of the sermon; it was the uh, the, the lit title for a mini conference we held yesterday on Sunday afternoon. We had four speakers. Uh, Rachel Gilson was one of them. Uh, Rebecca McLaughlin, who's an excellent author and speaker as well, wrote the book uh, "The Secular Creed," as well as "Confronting Christianity." Both Great highly one. recommend. Um, spoke about the God's good design and plan for sexuality. Then um, Dr. Mark Yarhouse, who's uh, a professor of psychology at Wheaton College and uh, spoke on issues of gender, transgenderism, and what's happening, really more of a clinical view and how we should think and talk about these things in our culture. And then last, uh, Dr. Preston Sprinkle, who founded the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender and um, uh, has a podcast called Theology in the Raw, almost as good as the 4UR podcast. Yeah. All that. It, you know, but, what uh, is that? And, and he, really, he really addressed how we're to love our our LGBTQ neighbors. Yeah. Um, and then we had a nice Q&A time at the end with all four of them. So I, you the question, why do we do this? Um, you know, not every issue in the culture the church needs to have some opinion or speak about, uh, but this gender and sexuality is so front and center, so in our faces all the time, with such a conflicting and confusing uh, and complicated messages that we felt um, both just in terms of spiritual discernment and from our own people asking us to, to do something more uh, than we would typically do to speak with clarity and nuance uh, and, and love into this issue. So we, the, the whole point was two things. One, clarity on what the scriptures actually do teach. And two, uh, equipping people to love our neighbors well, which includes talking about these things, as Brian mentioned, having uncomfortable conversations. I think back to Brian when we were talking about the phrases we use, experience grace, grow in faith, and make an impact. Before experience grace, the phrase was initially uncomfortable grace. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I think that applies uh, to this yeah. topic. Learning to be um, to express uncomfortable grace, to, 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 to wade into difficult situations with the grace and love of Jesus. So anyway... Yeah, Brian. Anything to add to that, or any kind of um, takeaways you hope our church brings from from doing an event like this? Well, one of the takeaways happened for us last night after mm. the event. Went home, and our son and daughter in law are living with us right now as they look for a new home. And we spent a good hour, hour and a half after dinner just mm. going over and talking about takeaways, talking about what we heard, what we learned, what, what we were, what how we were, how we were pushed, how we were uncomfortable, how we were. Um, and, and those issues, they were talking about their two little daughters and they're going to go to school pretty soon. And in school, by the time they're in second, third grade, they're going to hear some of this stuff, be confronted by some of this stuff. How do they train them up? Mm-hmm. How to teach them? How to prepare them? We're talking about other issues that touch our family. So yeah. it was a really fruitful discussion afterward. Yeah, that's... Um, 
and there were going to be takeaways. So for me, I, 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 I simplified it down to say it, it's always uncomfortable and challenging and encouraging all at once to, to live in, in the, um, to live between truth and grace or live in truth and grace. Mm-hmm. You know, the scriptures tell us Jesus, the word came full of grace and truth. And it's easiest to live on one side or the other of that. Right. To live in grace, yeah. A, God loves you. Doesn't matter, whatever and, you want. Yeah. And truth, you know, you're wrong. You're, yeah. Grace and truth together is a hard place to be, but that's exactly where we're called to be. And, and so that discussion is never easy. And I felt like we spent four hours in that space mm-hmm. yesterday mm-hmm. being challenged with, with both truth, standing on truth, holding to truth, and learning to be graceful or full of grace how, in how we interface with culture. So I, that's where yeah. I, what I took away. That's really... Brian, you're exactly right. I think, I think for people that were that attended either Sunday morning and or the afternoon conference, who would be on the progressive end of, of these of these issues, there were many things said that would be uncomfortable because they were grounded in Scripture and they cut directly against the prevailing view of our culture. For those that came that are are, are conservative in their views and, and and have a biblical understanding, but don't interact with people that are LGBTQ, don't have family or loved ones or dear, close friends. They just don't have any context. And they kind of have an us them mentality. There were many things said that were also uncomfortable mm-hmm. yeah. because it was pushing them yeah. to think it lovingly and to see them as people of value and dignity. And I think b- both are really necessary for us as a church family. Sure. That's really good. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about, Rachel's story and also some of the teaching points that she had for us. You mentioned Mm -hmm. some of them, Jeff, uh, a little bit ago. Um, I did hear it three times. So I, yeah, it started to sink in. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe it would be best if we, if we apply our kind of gospel question that we've been asking on this podcast throughout this gospel in Genesis series, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, where's the good news? Where is the good news? How did her story, how did her, her message Mm. point us to Jesus or, or any other kind of, uh, things that you wanted to remember from, from what she said? Well, I'll, I'll, I'm curious to hear what Brian's take is. Um, uh, there's so many, mm-hmm. frankly. I was really moved, um, and she's really wise and and, and intelligent. And um, but there was a story she told about reading *Mere Christianity*, which she had stolen mm-hmm. from her uh, her uh, a roommate or a, a, a floor mate in her mm-hmm. dorm, and was in the library. And she said she doesn't remember the passage, but she was overwhelmed with the sense that God was real. And she mm. goes, not like a, like Zeus or some kind of made-up God, but the God who made me and who I was going to give an account to. And then she went down the list of all of her, like, mm-hmm. uh, she was, I was prideful, I was arrogant, I was deceitful, I was sinful sexually, I was reading a stolen book. She's like, <laughs> all the chips were in the category of guilty. Yeah. And I was, she said, I was overcome with, like, she said, I was touching on his holiness. Mm-hmm. Without knowing the without word. Without knowing yeah. the word. Yeah. And she said, so I was afraid. And I thought that's that's now you might say what's good news about that? <laughs> well, it, it's an appropriate response to God's holiness because mm-hmm. she said that in the next moment she also recognized that God was not against her but for her in yeah. Christ. And I thought that beautiful picture of both touching the holiness where you realize I'm in I'm in I'm in trouble, and then realizing God's for me in Christ. He's not out to get me. And I think that that really moved me. Like that's exactly the gospel. That's the good news. Yeah. And you really can't get to the good news of grace until you recognize your need for it, which she was describing there. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. Brian, what about you? Yeah, I, I, it's the same way. I've heard, I'd heard some of her story before on podcast, but really appreciated hearing her in person. Yeah. Uh, her her honesty, her, her uh, obvious intelligence, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. and her humor is what surprised me. Uh, very, very funny 
Do you want to mention the line that got you the most? (laughs) When she, like, when I first ever heard her say her vision of Jesus earlier in her life was George W. Bush in a toga, I almost (laughs) fell off my chair. Who thinks like that? But, but um, mostly, what I appreciated was if when I said before, listening through the discomfort, uh, we're not used to hearing someone tell a story like that from where she began. I mean, here's a person who did not grow up in church, knew none of the language, had any no idea of faith at all was an uh, admitted atheist, uh, hostile toward uh, the church and Christianity, and Christians thought they were just stupid, dealing with also with same-sex attraction. And sometimes we get stuck on that, and we can't listen to the rest of what she says. Mm-hmm. But she was hungry for truth. She was looking for meaning, looking for what's real. And, and eventually that search leads there to the Bible, to a personal encounter with Christ, even though through yeah. a stolen book uh, <laughs> by C.S. Lewis. Um, and then she spent so much time talking about the beauty yes. and worthiness of Jesus yeah. that changed everything. Mm-hmm. It didn't deliver her completely from some of her her struggles with, with attraction, but allowed her to live a sanctified life and a purified life even with that, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, that's all. That's all of us. I kept yes. trying to hear my story and her story. It sounds much different, but it's the same thing. Yeah. The same thing. It's, and yeah. hearing someone who did not grow up in church talk about the beauty of Jesus that overwhelms everything she yes. does, more important than anything else. Right. I, that was moving to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and I, I would listen to her talk more about that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. That's the good news. Um, yes. And then she talked about marriage, like Jeff said, and all that. But the good news that that at the center of it all is an encounter with Jesus. Mm-hmm who is the incarnation of the God who made you, redeems you, and loves you. The thing I loved with that was, and I'm going to terribly misquote her, but kind of the, the, the question that she had to address of, will I trust God when I don't understand yeah. his mm-hmm. commands? Or don't something agree. along those lines. Don't, don't understand or agree. Yeah. yeah. And I think, again, that's something that we all, no matter what, we all have to answer mm-hmm. that question. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked yeah. about the God planting the tree and saying, mm-hmm. don't kind of right. instituting boundaries in the garden. Yeah. And, and right. I think that was, it was really, uh, challenging and encouraging just to see how, how she dealt with that and taught yeah. us that. So and she referred back to that. Um, mm-hmm. she said, um, will I uh, obey when I, I, she, her line was, okay. I, it's clear to me. The Bible says no to same sex relationships, uh, same sex marriage and same sex love. But she said, I don't know why. Yeah. And God, if you would just explain why, yeah. then I would be okay. And then she came to the realization, can I, can I obey him if I don't always get the why? Mm-hmm. And she used the example of Eve, who had all this data, lies from the evil one, about why the fruit looked good, it's going to be delicious, it make you wise. And all she had on the other side was, but God said. And I thought that was, a, that, mm-hmm. as, as you described, that's kind of where we all come to. You know? And also, I appreciate her intellectual honesty. Because mm-hmm. she is, as an atheist, not a Christian... Uh, was given a packet by some friends about how the church has had this wrong all these years and and the Bible actually does affirm same-sex monogamous relationships. And she said, oh, great, I love a good packet and I wanted that to be true, so she dug into it. Then she said, but I was a history major, which means I'm trained to read the original sources. Mm -hmm. So I started looking up these actual scriptures. And as a a non-Christian, untrained in Bible study, she could see this is not what it teaches. Mm My friends, this packet is is misleading, and even though she had every reason to want to believe it, mm-hmm. she was honest enough to say this isn't this isn't true. Yeah, um, and I thought I found that to be compelling too that she was willing to wrestle with scripture and its truth, um, and not just want to make it say what she preferred it would say. Yeah. So I, 
there's a lot of questions that we could get to. I, I know people right. sent in tons of questions that we they did. addressed some of them yesterday afternoon. And, and I just have a couple that I, I wanted to just get your guys' perspective on. Uh, and, and I think one of them, uh, maybe I'll, I'll try to get through as many as I can. Uh, one being, um, I think there's a, a percentage of people in our church and in, in mm-hmm. the church overall that, that wants to remain faithful to what the scripture teaches. And when it comes to issues of marriage and, and sexuality, have been told by the world that mm. those stances are hateful, bigoted, mm-hmm. outdated, out date, yep. violent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for a lot of people that, that brings kind of a sense of anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. What would you say to someone in that, that place of f- feeling anxious for wanting to obey God and, and be true to the Bible, but kind of feels anxious about it? Mm. Yeah, I think um, I would start out by saying, I think we have to acknowledge uh, that as followers of Jesus, we're always going to be somewhat out of step uh, with the world around us. We just start like Rachel and Rebecca both said, we, you know, we believe some pretty weird stuff, mm-hmm. you know, beginning with the resurrection, which is the center of everything. So we're always going to be, able, it's natural to feel some awkwardness when we are confronted by the, the cultural narrative. But I also would say that even if you leave aside this will sound funny to say, but even if you leave aside a personal spiritual encounter with Jesus, and you can't really do that, but even if you did, uh, when we understand the, the whole of the biblical story from Genesis to Revelation, um, when we understand what the gospel says it offers to us, we see a worldview that's coherent. And I mean, what I mean is that it makes sense of what we experience, mm-hmm. explains where we came from, why we're here, the meaning of human relationships, love itself, um, what's broken in the world, what's broken in us, and it gives us hope right. for something better. So, so even if you leave aside the spiritual dynamic uh, transformation part of it, the, it makes sense. It, it, it explains things. And with regard to marriage, for example, it, I've often thought this, if I stop a random person on the street, regardless of their, their background, their, their, uh, their understanding of faith or religion or none, or even their... Well, yeah, if I ask them, what are you looking for? What would you want in the central relationship of your life? They would say something like, well, I want to be loved. I want to be known. I want someone to be faithful to me. And I want that forever. Mm. Nobody says, well, I want to be, oh, loved for a while and tossed away like a used car. Nobody says that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I would say the Bible starts with that. Mm. It starts with this beautiful picture of what covenant love looks like. Mm-hmm. It's yep. marriage and it's God's love for us. So um, I don't think we need, need to be embarrassed about that. It sounds weird, but it's what everyone deep down, I think, is really looking for. Mm. That's yeah, that's really... Right. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Brian think, didn't preach yesterday, so yeah. he got a little I got, ins- I got inspired yeah. to preach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Jill, you, I, I agree with uh, Brian. He said it beautifully. Uh, the question about, the, they have some anxiety about that. I, I think we have to ask, where's that anxiety come, come from? Hmm. What's producing that? And uh, you described it. I've been told by the culture, by people outside of the biblical worldview, that this is bigoted, hateful, out of step, and so on. And that causes me anxiety. Why? Because they would think that I'm what? Because... I mean, we have to, I think, and as Brian mentioned, um, it's not a new thing hmm. that people who follow Jesus have views that the culture finds strange mm-hmm. or weird um, or out of step or even dangerous. First century Christians in Rome were being accused of things 
So I, um, that doesn't mean we just swallow everything and say, oh, the world hates us and we hate them back. No, we love, but as John Dixon has said, we heard him say it many times, learning to be good losers mm-hmm. in the culture, learning to say with joy uh, and clarity, yeah, I, I recognize that my view is a minority view. I still think it's good because it comes from an authority outside of the culture. Um, and I would want to say to those people, uh, go to the sources. Yeah. Commit that to prayer, that level of anxiety. Go to the scriptures and ask God, what is he saying? Because um, otherwise it's like, well, my parents have said or my church has said and the culture says, what does God say? Yeah. What does the word actually say? Which is what we tried to do yesterday. Yeah, that's good. Uh, one of the really helpful things, I guess maybe good reminders for me that came up consistently yesterday was uh, that this is not kind of an us versus them issue. Yeah, um, that was, yeah. Preston Sprinkle said that. Yeah, and I, I think that was, it's it's always good to be reminded of that. And and so I'm curious for for you guys. Um, and this might be a, two separate questions that I'm going to smash into one. Um, <laughs> You're the host, is what you get to do. Yeah, I can I can do whatever I want. <laughs> smash away. Um, I'm curious what 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 you would want to tell someone in our church who who knows mm. and relates to Rachel's story of same sex attraction mm-hmm. or related to what Mark said yesterday of. Uh, I don't, uh, my, my gender feels out of tune, I think is one of the examples yeah. he gave. Um, what would you say to someone who, who loves Jesus or wants to love Jesus, but, but also knows th- those experiences or, or maybe and then part two or love someone who knows that, mm-hmm. uh, a, a child, uh, cousin, you know, whatever it is. So those are probably two different questions, but take yeah. it whatever direction you want. Yeah, but they're related. I, um, Okay, through the course of my uh, my career, I've had a number of conversations, probably more than people might think, with um, people who are who who t- want to talk about same sex attraction, less about about gender dysphoria, but more about same sex attraction. And what I've learned is that the place to start the conversation is not <coughs> excuse me, it's not about the same sex attraction or even the gender dysphoria or any of the behaviors that we that come along with that. That's not the place to start. The place to start is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Always. That's always the place to start. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? Mm. Because in Jesus, we see this unconditional and transforming love um, that sees us as made in the image of God, eternally value in his eyes and love beyond measure. You know, if we look at the gospels, Jesus, when he encountered people, he never asked them to clean their lives up first mm-hmm. before he loved them. He loved them. Yeah. Then all the other issues come after that. Right. And that's true for all of us. And so I've, I've learned over the years, that's the way to start the conversation. We want to get to the other issues because mm. they make us uncomfortable and we know they're, they're, they need to be addressed. But that's, that's up to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and this whole process of sanctification, being made more like him. But it starts with his love for us. Mm-hmm. That's where the transformation begins. Um, and you, if you start any other place, you, there's not, you don't have the power source available to deal with all the things that come after. I heard somebody say a long time ago, uh, sanctification is messy for all of us. Yeah. And if we can rest in that and start with Jesus, we have much better conversations. Yeah. Do you remember when Rachel's story, when she said, I realized that even though I was guilty, this is the best deal I was going to find. I better take this deal. She's talking about grace. Mm -hmm. And I think Brian's right. I think it starts there. Because otherwise, uh, for for every one of us, not just the same-sex attracted or the person who has um, the discordant gender or is is wrestling with transgender identity issues— Every one of us is going to, it's the cost of following Jesus 
if you're not, if you don't, if you haven't come face to face with his amazing grace and love for you, why would you, it's, it's asking a lot, you know, but when you come to realize who he is, that you, what you get in the exchange, it, it, it's, anything's worth it. Mm. And it's, it's actually for you, not against you. When you come to, as you, Rachel said, as you walk with him, even though it can feel hard and difficult and confusing at times, over time you realize it's for my good. It's, it's not, it's not uh, holding out on me or against me or playing some dirty trick on me. He's calling me into a life that is ultimately for my good and his glory. Um, but so, I, yeah, I guess just to reiterate, Brian said, I'd say to people that are in that place, start with Jesus and his, his incomparable love for you. Not all the things you think you have to give up, mm. yeah. but what he's given up for you at the cross. That's good. I know one of the goals of, of um, doing this event is helping kind of equip our people to engage in the world and, and engage with those who might disagree with mm-hmm. us on mm-hmm. not just this issue, but, but in general. Yeah. Uh, but I guess in particular, we focused in here. Any, any advice that you would give to people on kind of yeah. how to engage out in the world and at work or with family that, that might disagree. Yeah. I thought one of the things that came through most clearly, and we talked a lot about last night, just as a, as a family was, um, that our posture, Mm. um, as followers of Jesus, uh, in a world that, that, that often disagrees with us or doesn't understand our posture is, is, should not be one of either anger of anger or defensiveness or disgust or, Argument, mm-hmm. but rather our posture is one of curiosity, listening, and an interest. Yeah. That is, it's it's better and ultimately much more productive to say something like, "Hey, tell me your story. Help me understand mm-hmm. your story." Yeah. Than it is to begin with. Well, this is where I think you're wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. uh, and and ultimately, you get into all those kinds of conversations. But it's it's we were reminding ourselves last night that to to to, to when we see someone or or we're approached by someone who is has a much different worldview to be curious enough and caring enough to ask, to, to ask for their story, mm-hmm. to listen to their story. Uh, and before we rush to judgment to try to tell them something, to listen. And then the listening yeah. comes, goes, that goes both ways. Now you have a relationship and, and gospel, the gospel travels over relation, relational highways, relational bridges. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's where we should be. So that came through really strongly yesterday, I thought. That's good. Yeah. Uh, there was a, on that note, uh, Dr. Uh, Yarhouse had a story where he said, he told about a pastor who received an email from a, or a call from somebody rest, in his church wrestling with uh, gender, transgender identity and, and, and said, I want to have coffee with you. Would you have coffee with me? And that this pastor reached out to Dr. Yarhouse saying, what should I do? Seminary didn't train me for this. And Yarhouse's advice was, which I think is a word to all of us, well, definitely call that person back and have coffee <laughs> and say to them, it feels like I'm coming into this about chapter seven of your story. I'd like to know about chapters one through six. Yeah, I love that. I thought, what a great, like, mm-hmm. before we talk about the presenting issue that you want to, let, tell me who you are and how you got to this place. Yeah. And I thought that was really wise and good advice for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, there's a lot more we could talk about. We're coming up on time. Uh, um, any kind of, for those that are listening that, that want to keep exploring, uh, yeah. that want to keep learning, that want to keep growing in, in this issue, any resources you might recommend or, or things that you would point them to? Yeah, well, um, I, I will say that the, the, the sermon from Rachel is available. Mm-hmm. We are um, editing and going to make available uh, portions of uh, the conference online in the next week. So you can look for those. We'll have links to those, those lectures and presentations and some of the question and answer times, the discussion times. And, um, you know, on our website, under Good Design, 
each of those presenters uh, has um, recommended resources that they have produced under their name with links to those, the websites, books, podcasts, and so on. Uh, Preston Sprinkle's podcast, Theology in the Raw, and Rebecca McLaughlin's podcast, uh, Confronting Christianity, have episodes dealing with these issues specifically and, and great conversations that are helpful. Um, so, And there's a whole, you know, whole slew of books we could recommend, but sure. yeah, they're awesome. on the links. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, can you give us a little sneak peek of what's coming up this week? We're back in Genesis, correct? Yes. Well, we have been alluding to this chapter, dun, 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 <laughs> Genesis dramatic. chapter three dramatic. Yes, right. for weeks. So we've it's been in Genesis one through great. two. Yeah, right. Dramatic so, and tragic. Yep. We call it the fall. Uh, and that doesn't mean autumn where the best season, it means yeah. things go bad. Um, so we're going to, we're going to get into that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just would call it, um, the teaser is the snake in the garden. Tune in to find out. Tune more. in to find out more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also I would also say it's the most ancient of human stories, and it's the most recognizable and contemporary yeah. of all the stories we're going to read mm. in the Bible. Yeah, that's a good teaser. Mm-hmm. Too. Boom! All right, let's do. Joe wants to know. All right. Oh, what you know, Joe? I don't know nothing. What you know, Joe? Tell me something. Uh, it's been a while since I've asked this question. I've asked it a few times before on the podcast, but people like to know. Uh, so here's the question. What is the best thing that you have read, watched, listened to, consumed so far in the year 2023? <laughs> consumed is a very broad word, so take it however you want. If there's a really good meal you had, you can share that, but that's not necessarily Let me jump in and for. get this out of the way. Please, I did. Please. I was listening to the radio. Not long ago. And I heard that the Bears have the number one pick in the NFL draft. What? <laughs> Just want to get that out of the way. Yeah. That's good news. That's good news. That no, good but I would news. say I, I, we continue to watch and enjoy the Chosen series, mm-hmm. um, season three. Um, we watched through. Uh, I find it uh, encouraging, makes me think about scripture, makes me want to go back and read the stories. But I, 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 we were enjoying going through that um, I've also enjoyed, uh, since I got introduced to it through Jeff, John Dixon's podcast mm-hmm. uh, on deceptions. I, a couple times a week, I pick out an episode while, I, while I'm working out or whatever, and I always learn something by the people from mm-hmm. the people he interviews. Uh, I'll, I'll toss in a couple of books later. Why don't you jump in? Yeah. I agree with both of those things that Brian mentioned. Um, the, uh, the, I'm looking forward to watching, although I haven't watched it yet, so it doesn't really answer your question. Jesus Revolution, a new movie out. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of undeceptions, so Dixon got the name for his podcast from an essay by, can you guess? Anybody? <laughs> Anybody? Anyone? C.S. Lewis. The, the one and, whose book was stolen. And I recently acquired, an, uh, it's an out-of-print collection of essays called mm. Undeceptions. And I thought I had read almost all of Lewis's theological. You said you said acquired. Essays. Did you steal it like from Oxford no, no. or somewhere when you were there? Like, <laughs> no, no, no. I ordered, it was a heist. I, I slipped it into I, your briefcase no. out of this ancient <laughs> manuscript. No, it's not stolen. I ordered it and paid for it. Paid more than I should have for it. But I have a copy of Undeceptions and uh, and uh, the, both the there's a number of essays. I thought I I thought I'd read all of his theological and literary essays, but I haven't. Wow. And so I've oh, been exciting. Loving it. Yeah. That's like coming to the sermon near near you. Here, here's the non-spiritual uh, version of that. So Judy and I watched The Office, and they, how, what, how is this connected? And no, yeah. we'll get there. Hang on. Okay. All right. So we've seen the, the show uh, like a, a, a million times. Yeah. But they release what they call super fan episodes, where it's like the extended cuts. 
And so it's like, oh, I thought I've seen go. all The Office, but they just released new super fans. Yeah, this episodes. is much That's the exactly same. exactly the same thing. <laughs> I, I, I see no yeah. difference. I think it's... <laughs> yeah. What? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, good. Um, I, yeah. I'll add that I, I do enjoy uh, Preston's podcast. I just listened to yeah. it. I... I have been trying to catch up. Would you agree that on his podcast he sounds much younger than he is when you see him in person? <laughs> I thought he was like 25 years old on his podcast. He does have a young voice. Something something I, about how he does that. Yeah. I will say that one of the questions I've gotten the most leading up to this event is, is Preston Sprinkle his real name? That is a, it's it's a, such a People wonderful name. People don't think it's real. Sounds like I, he should be, it so, is, right? Sounds like a character in a Christmas movie, doesn't it? it <laughs> <laughs> sorry, like sorry, an elf, Preston. An elf name. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah. 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 Let me add a couple books to, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I read, uh, when we were preparing for Genesis, you know, the first chapter, mm-hmm. I, uh, John Lennox has several books out there, but one called God's Undertaker yeah. has Science Buried God is a, is a good short, challenging and really uh, thoughtful mm-hmm. book. And then somebody from church recommended this to me. It's a book called Untrustworthy mm-hmm. uh, by a woman named Bonnie Christian. And the subtitle is The Knowledge Crisis Breaking Our Brains, Polluting Our Politics, and Corrupting Christian Community. It's a long subtitle. It is a long but it's dealing with the extreme polarization of culture, yep. kind of where it comes from, uh, influence of social media and, and the internet, and how we as followers of Jesus can navigate all those turbulent waters. I thought, I thought it was a Really, really thoughtful, uh, challenging book just called Untrustworthy. So, mm-hmm. there you go. Well, we've given people a lot to a lot to do. We need them to steal some essays and watch The Office. I did so. not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Time to wrap up. Thanks for listening to the For You Are podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and share this with a friend. If it has helped you in your faith journey, we will talk to you soon.